0: Welcome to Expanding Reality, I am your host, Brandon Thomas. On this episode, guys, Jake Loco from Loco Listens Podcast comes by and hangs out, and we talk Dante's Inferno. That's an awesome allegory. Uh, This is a wonderful breakdown on it, and Jake is just a badass. You guys are absolutely going to love him in this conversation. So all the ways to find Jake and his awesome podcast, his link tree, is linked below, so you guys definitely investigate him more, and we will have him back on. We, We only skim the surface here, which is wonderful there's so much more to talk about so um before we get to that guys check out the resource links located below you have of course food forest abundance get that freedom from fear on Libson, if you'd like to start your own podcast highly encourage everybody to do it that link will give you two months free also if you're gonna feed the beast that is amazon buy anything at all run it through our link it's the same thing as amazon it just helps the show that's the only damn difference that's it also down there, guys, is going to be Opus, the Organization for Paranormal Understanding and Support. Check that out for sure. They are a phenomenal resource. Uh, and as well, and lastly here, we have expandingrealitypodcast.com. That's going to be links to all the socials, merchandise. It will also get you to Rockfin. We play all the lives there, all the Too Hot for YouTube stuff check out also all of the collaborations i've done meaning all of the uh panel shows or anybody that's invited me on to their wonderful show to be a guest all of it is linked over there guys so definitely check that out also become an expansive insider that's a great way to support the show and i'm grateful for everybody that signed up for that it's such a cool crew so thanks again guys uh all right so let's get to this incredible conversation with jake loco all right, everybody out there hanging out. We have Jake Loco on from Loco Listens Podcast. Dude, you are a badass. You're new to the scene. You're uh, young and fresh and out here, just mixing it up, and we love seeing that. But... um you're badass, so it makes sense. Uh, you really are kicking ass just in the first few shows of yours that I've heard and a few other guest spots that you've done with some friends of ours. So I'm uh, very grateful to have you on and grateful to get into this topic, man. We have not covered this before, so I'm super excited. Uh, and you're the guy to talk to about this. So before we get launched into it, Jake, just tell us a little bit about you, man.
1: Hey, thank you, Brandon. It's good to be here with you and I appreciate all those kind words. Uh, you know, I have didn't really plan on starting a podcast originally. I was just going to put out little videos and kind of promote my favorite podcasters. And then one day I decided, you know what, it, I haven't really been too creative in a while. Making those videos was kind of my dive back into my creative side after being on a hiatus, you could say. And I was like, you know what, I'm just going to give it a shot. And now I've got four episodes out. Uh, and it's been great, but this is something I'm just doing for fun. I work full-time as a high school English teacher, so the topic that we're going to cover today is actually very relevant because it's kind of what I do for work, but this is a great way to have fun and capitalize on those skills that make me happy and that I practice every day. So I'm excited to talk some books, some uh, Dante's Inferno with you today, but uh, I just wanted to ask you really quick, uh, have you read Dante's Inferno before?
0: I have years ago and I actually uh, found my copy. I just didn't drag it out here in front of you. Uh, But yes, years and years ago, man. And so uh, like we were talking about earlier, I'm not going to be a great uh, immediate memory reference point for this, but there were definitely so many themes in it that I want to talk to you about. And the allegory of it, you know, sticks with me. So you'll help us fill in the details. And I'm very excited to get your take on this because Dante's Inferno is an incredible allegory and that's what we're going to go over. So where would you like to begin with that?
1: Uh, I guess we should begin with our personal connection to the story because you and I were both introduced to this book back in school, right? And it was something that the teacher brought up and my initial reaction was, wow, well, this is kind of dumb. Like I wasn't really into spirituality at that time. And it seemed like propaganda. It seemed like a book that was like, this is supposed to make you become a better Christian. This is to put the fear of God into people. So, you know, I didn't really vibe with me very much, but recently this book was offered for free at the high school that I currently work at. You know, they just have random free books giving away at certain times. So picked it up and I was like, Oh yeah, I remember uh, you know, not giving a shit about this book back in college. So let me take a second look. And I'm glad that whoever uh, inspired me to take that second look, whether it was just seeing the cover or just thinking back to those old memories. I was like, you know what, this is uh, this is going to be interesting. And God, I'm glad that I did because there have been a lot of synchronicities happening around this book in my own personal life. And just the fact that it's such an allegory, like you said, is really cool. So you and I can really dive into how we personally relate to these nine circles of hell that Dante descends into.
0: What about you? Hell yeah. No, absolutely. And I, I actually didn't uh, hear about it in school. I just got it when I was younger because I thought it was cool. Like, I just heard about it and I was like, oh, I got to check this out. And it's very interesting, man. And so the more I got into it, the more I started to really look at it like there, it's a, it's a cool story. But really, the... It, it's all about transcending yourself and it's about going into the depths of yourself. I mean, that's kind of how I perceived it is that it's really these just different levels of you. And you have a guide that's already been there before Virgil, of course. And that's the guy that kind of takes you through it and says, don't you remember like you've done all this stuff, you know? And so it's, it's kind of how we greet this place. And it's a journey, not only it, it's framed as a journey into the afterlife, but in my mind, I really looked at it as kind of a way to approach the ways that you approach this life, because there are different levels that you hit here. And so Some of them can be pretty damn dark. It's also a good warning to kind of say, you know, when you go, you spiral in either direction. You either spiral in the positive vibe direction and it just gets exponentially more so. Uh, The same is true for the inverse, which would be uh, what Dante's trip represented in my mind.
1: Absolutely, man. It's definitely a spiral in both regards. Like you said, you know, you could be spiraling downward and making decisions that kind of dig you further and further down into this pit that it's hard to climb out of or the opposite you know you could make those healthy choices you could commit to those behaviors that move you up or those or you could build relationships that move you up too and that's uh, the the whole process of this descent into the inferno and then finally the ascent back up to paradise is centered around Dante's lover Beatrice or Beatrice and I want to start with that first synchronicity. Uh, I've said this a couple times before already, but it's so cool that I, I think it's worth sharing over and over again. It's the fact that my parents gave me the middle name B. I had a great grandma, a great grandmother named Beatrice, and I didn't realize this at the time when I first read Dante's Inferno. Like, oh yeah, I, it's kind of in my name here. Like, it's just the letter B for my middle name. So. Felt that connection. I was reminded of this. I was like, wow, this, this is kind of cool. Like it's just a minor synchronicity, but it got my attention. And then from that point on, I was uh, led through the rest of the story with the same sort of eagerness. So just to lay it out in the beginning for everyone, especially if they've never heard of the story or if they don't really know much about it. Dante is someone we can all relate to because basically he starts the inferno, this journey from the inferno to purgatory, to paradise. He wakes up in the middle of a forest as if he's been on this bender for, for years. And he finally wakes up and realizes like, shit, I got to make some changes around here or or else, you know, things aren't going to go so well for me. And, you know, there's a bunch of ways to interpret the beginning of the story, but really some people would say on a historical level, Dante was exiled. He was a a victim of cancel culture. So he wasn't allowed back into Florence, Italy, where he used to live. And now he's all wandering by himself. Um, But if you put all that aside, I'm sure we can all relate to one point in our lives when we felt isolated and we didn't know where to turn. So this is the literal crossroads that Dante has to figure out what to do with. And up until he meets Virgil, he has zero direction. And I'm sure you could probably relate to this, right? Like, there's points in our lives, those crossroad moments where there are so many options. There's so many places we could go, and it just seems overwhelming, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, what is your, what have you done in the past when you hit those moments for yourself? Mm. I think one of the first
1: moments that comes to mind in recent memory was back in 2021 when the Omicron variant began, and that was. A spooky time because you know I, I wasn't afraid of Omicron and all the stuff happening but it was the fact that you know i was going to get this weekly test because i refused to get vaccinated and i was doing this every week every week and you know at a certain point i was like all right i'm going to do this for the rest of the school year and i'm going to accept it and it sucked you know i didn't want to do that but it made me it made me feel disempowered and then There were things happening around Omicron where the line to get tested, you know, this nice nose swab was hours and hours. You had to wait for like three hours sitting in your car, just waiting and waiting. And eventually they would run out of tests. So I had to just turn around and go back home. And the rule at the school is basically like if you don't get tested within a certain time, then you can't come in and you have to stay home and they won't pay you. So I was kind of like freaking out about this. I was so upset. I was disappointed and there was a lot of anger, but most of all, Brandon, it was that feeling of disempowerment. Like, all right, I need to go in and make money, but I can't. And I could if I get this injection, but it's one thing stopping me and I'm all stressed out about it. And I stopped enjoying teaching. And I'm sure my, my students noticed that. So I really had to talk to my friends, talk to my family, be like, look, this is what's happening. I know blah, blah, blah. You should get vaccinated, this and that, but. I had to like open up to them basically, and that's uh, kind of a function of Virgil in this story is Dante's spirit guide. And if there's no connection, no communication with that spirit guide, then things can get kind of dicey. You know, like have you ever had an experience where you feel like you've communicated with something beyond your, you know, your physical form? Like, have you ever had that kind of experience before?
0: Uh, I mean, I'm not an experiencer in that way, that I know of, and I've I've said this several times, but uh, I have. Had some really interesting, what I consider interactions on some pretty heroic doses of psychedelics. Yeah. And that's
1: pretty interesting that you bring up psychedelics too, because a lot of the visions and the the trials that Dante goes through are very much like this death trip through a psychedelic realm where Dante has to, you know, that some people would refer to it in more simple terms like ego death. But you know, Dante's intact this whole time. His ego is put together, but he's going through this chaotic turbulent scary realm that opens up parts of himself that he never knew existed and the 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 whole process of integrating those um those sources of pain those 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 pain points and those uh, bits of trauma collectively create dante's character to be stronger at the end of this whole journey which is the whole point of the hero's journey right whether you're taking a heroic dose of like mushrooms or something and you come out on the other end and you're stronger older wiser and more experienced you know in dante's case he did something very similar to that and it was all in preparation to become reunited with beatrice which is uh pretty symbolic to reunite with your lover
0: and this kind of had some interesting tones like didn't wouldn't wizard of oz and alice in wonderland and stuff like that parodied kind of off of this this was kind of the inspiration for those stories
1: Yeah. It kind of reminds me of, I believe it's uh, Eric Weinstein started the podcast. I think he called it the portal. And it's this whole notion that there's uh, a threshold between this ordinary world and then this other world. So like wonderland or going into Oz and for Dante And I'm really happy that you asked this, too, because I was listening to you and Dave from Gen Z and Andy from the Deep Share podcast talk about the The box box saga. saga.
0: Yeah, yes. That ass. We've got to and and how this relates. And uh, we'll talk about this off of this, but we'll probably invite you to come to an episode with us having this relates. Yeah, we'll talk about it.
1: And I'll just quickly say this for anyone who's curious that the bottom layer of hell, that ninth circle is full of ice. So that kind of got my ears buzzing. I was like, Hmm. All right. It's like way, way down in the hollow earth. Cause that's what hell is in this. The inferno is basically this hollow earth civilization that has nine dimensions to it. And the lower you go, the more evil it becomes. But at the very bottom is full of ice. And it just reminded me of everything you guys were talking about. So yeah, in terms of a threshold, like wonderland or Oz, the inferno is a lot like just going into the hollow earth and at the way bottom, there's this uh, threshold of ice, and beyond that, ice is now the uh, path up to, to Purgatory and to Paradise. So it's really interesting that the ice is the dividing line
0: between this world and that world. Yeah, it's, uh, it's got some flat Earth-ish uh, type of uh, tones to it as well. That's pretty interesting. Uh, so let, let's keep going with the story, man. So what? How did get us from where Dante meets Virgil?
1: Right. So. Beatrice is waiting in paradise for Dante. You know, she might be dead. She might just be, you know, in spirit form, whatever it might be. It doesn't really matter. The fact is that Beatrice sent Virgil to help Dante because one of the main themes that I keep on noticing in the story is that no one can go through hell alone. In fact, there are many times that we can get into further where Dante is unable to pass through certain sections by himself. If it wasn't for virgil he would have been stuck in hell and for all we could tell he would have never made it out so that's uh you know the primary function of virgil like when i asked you earlier about like a spirit uh experience it's more about um having an intuition you could say like when you're looking at reality through you know your ordinary 3d lens uh the intuition can be forgotten sometimes but my my father always tells me and it's his great advice i think that there's always a little voice that's trying to guide you and that's that's virgil or it's jiminy cricket in pinocchio it's like the conscience that's some kind of uh energy guiding you towards where you're supposed to go and away from where you shouldn't go uh or it could be like the evil the angel and the devil on your shoulder you're playing pole in two different directions and so that's Virg- virgil's role is to Guide Dante on the right direction um, as a father figure, you could say. He's a spiritual father figure for Dante.
0: Very cool, and yes, and uh, to your uh, metaphor about the angel and devil, whenever that's represented in anything, um, in like movies and cartoons and shit, it's always this same—the characters face on each. Um, the devil and the angel. So it's really just you. And this is another thing about Virgil and about spirit guides and intuition. At some high level, perhaps one of the ideas is is that it's just you. You're all your spirit guides and your future selves, and they kind of uh, communicate back with you. And even just looking at it that way is very, very interesting. Uh, but I like how Virgil is a physical representation of this. Uh, and so we kind of can come across these things in our lives and our paths as well. And they appear in many different forms angel numbers, just things that you are significant, a song that plays, a smell of your grandmother's perfume or something like that, Beatrice. Uh, and then you, you have these kind of signs and signals here that just speak to you, that are still considered like your spirit guides. And you have the intuition or the little voice in your head that says to follow it. I like your dad already, man. It sounds like a cool guy.
1: He's a good guy. Yeah, Shout out to Mr. Loco here. So, Shout out. Well, we got uh, <laughs> uh, when Dante uh, Dante's going through these circles, you know, we're going to get into what are in these circles for sure. But I just want to uh, emphasize this because I think everyone's going to like this, too. When they do en- encounter demons or dark souls or whoever, it's not that Virgil is going to use violence to defeat these demons. It's that he's going to use language because Virgil is a poet. So it's kind of like what we're doing here. We're uh, we're using language for a positive purpose. We're trying to help people um, learn to reflect and to think about quote unquote shadow work if they would like to use that that phrase, which is a lot of what the story deals with. And one thing uh, before we dive into the circles, one one last thing too is that because there are nine circles and we know that the bottom three are the absolute worst, it's very distracting because I think everyone wants to learn about those deep deep dark circles but it's really the upper layers that are most important i think because these are uh sins or errors or whatever you want to call them that are more common that more people go through whereas the bottom layers are more about violence and treachery and betrayal so it's i'd like to be optimistic and say those are kind of rare in most people but the others like uh, overindulgence and gluttony and greed and things like that—they're much more common. So I think it's good to spend a little more time up up there and thinking about how we uh, fit into this this puzzle.
0: Just going to go ahead and also point out how uh, I appreciate that enlightened perspective. That's very very smart, dude. So already get it going, bro. Nice job.
1: Thank you, Brandon. So what I want to do to start is ask you a quick question because there's a very famous line. Uh, It's not really a line, but there's a sign at the at the entrance of hell. And, you know, we can dive into the hollow earth thing in a bit, but it's literally like they find this cave. Right. And then on this cave, on this cave wall, there's an inscription and it says, abandon all hope ye who enter. And that's the first message. Yeah, it's very ominous. But what do you think about that? Abandon all hope you enter.
0: Uh, I think it it means to abandon all expectation so basically just uh, abandon all of what you know abandon all of stable reality abandon your cognitive dissonance because you're going to be thrown into a completely new world and uh, that's what's going to happen and you have no real hope of controlling it it's kind of like a psychedelic experience to be honest with you Um, it's not even uh, abandon all hope is kind of a scary thing it's kind of a warning but it doesn't have to be interpreted that way I don't think. Exactly.
1: It gave me goosebumps to hear you say that because, yeah, it's just like a psychedelic trip. You know, if you're going to be handed like a cup of ayahuasca, it's like you shouldn't really try to control that experience. You should just be there for the ride and stay conscious. And I think that's exactly what it would be like for sure. So I'm glad you said that. You definitely picked up on uh, the theme that we're going for here. And so with that in mind, uh, there are a couple scenarios where so we're in, uh, I'm, you know, I'm. there's no way I could fit. The whole story into one podcast, we're gonna be like scratching the surface, just so everyone knows. So I'm gonna skip around. I'm gonna try to go chronologically, but there are things I'm gonna leave out. Um, but I do want to start with that that signage, abandon all hope, ye who enter. And there's something interesting that Virgil does to Dante. There's a quick image. When Dante accepts the fact, like you said, you know, you have to accept it, you can't try to control it or change it. You have to go through this experience, this dark night of the soul and uh, let it do what it's going to do to you and try to make the best of it, I guess. Uh, So Virgil is described as helping Dante open up like a flower. It's like, uh, you know, given where Dante began in the story, he was depressed. He was isolated. He was alone. You know, he had nothing really He had no uh, no wife, no job, nothing. Like he was just out there homeless in the forest. And once he starts interacting with Virgil, he starts to open up like a flower would. that's finally getting sunlight. So I want you to keep that image in mind when he progresses further, because just because Dante can open up like that, it's just as easy for him to shut down and to try to go back to sleep, you know? So one of the first obstacles that they, that they find in their journey is in the uh, circle of the lustful, the desirous, the carnal is what it's really called, and in this in this realm, and this is something I personally relate to. Uh, you know, I don't think many people talk about this much, but I think it's it's worth mentioning. For me personally, when I think about the carnal and this circle of hell, I think about the fact that anyone who was particularly isolated during this. Pandemic nonsense, probably at one point could have been vulnerable to things like pornography addiction or just an overindulgence in that type of energy. So Dante does a great job of describing what happens to to these these people caught in this literal storm. It's literally a storm, a tornado. These these people are being thrown around. They have no control whatsoever. They are they're not grounded at all because they're so led astray. By wild desires. There's there's no control whatsoever. And this is a common theme that relates to the animal and and the human. And it's tough for people to learn how to integrate those two forces and become, you know, uh, a better human if you can, but uh, you know, you can't totally deny that animal side of you. So that's tough for Dante to come to terms with because of course he's vulnerable just like anyone he loves beatrice it's not like an innocent love so everyone's uh could be corruptible in this way but this is all about overindulgence and so i really like this whirlwind imagery because i know for for me if i went through stretches of you know, it's not going to sound uh, nice. I can't, I can't make this sound sexy. But like being addicted to pornography and doing any of that kind of stuff is not helping someone stay stable. And their creative energy is split. So, like, if I wanted to make a podcast or you know create a cool video, I couldn't do it because my energy is being dissipated this way and that way. Just like being caught in a storm, I couldn't really stay grounded and stable. Um, energy flows where the attention goes. Tension goes where energy flows yes sir so uh one thing that i want to point out when dante sees this happening to these souls who he can relate to he doesn't look down on them he doesn't scorn them he's like wow that could be me and that's so important to to think about that you know there are points when dante reaches the lower levels where he looks down on these souls and he's like wow shame on you but this is not happening now because dante knows that he's just as gu- guilty or vulnerable as any of these other people were. So this is so overwhelming for him that he passes out. He literally, it says he swoons. So we, he just can't absorb all this information and he just passes out like what do you think about that the fact that he loses consciousness
0: uh it it may be part of just the overwhelming nature of this experience so he probably thought he would be so far removed from being even considered being part of this crew or anything beyond what Virgil was about to show him excuse me uh that he was just like oh yeah I got this but uh it became so it so real and then so relatable and then he saw himself there and so yeah overwhelmed and this could also be part of the first little throws of your psychedelic experience. This could be you entering, another just way to interpret it, entering that state and then easing off into it and then waking up and you're still in that state because that happens too sometimes. You fall asleep and you wake up still tripping balls. So,
1: And that's exactly what happens. The, the trip is far from over when Dante finally wakes up because he wakes up and he basically is teleported or transported to the next section. So it's, yeah, it's, it's just like that. That's a really cool way to put it. I've never heard that before, but after the carnal and this, you know, they all relate to each other. They all build off of each other, but after the, the carnal and this third circle is the gluttons. And what's interesting about gluttony is the fact that it doesn't have to be food, you know, like you ever just like scroll through, like, I know you make a lot of videos and you do a great job doing that. And you probably have to spend a lot of time on the computer per, producing these uh, clips and doing this kind of thing. And sometimes gluttony could take the form of consumption of media. Like, uh, you know, I know a lot of my students are probably really absorbed by things like TikTok and it's not always going to be food, but it gluttony is definitely related directly to food. And that's what most people would think about it. But do you ever find yourself, uh, you know, just kind of absorbed or almost possessed by this digital spirit that, draws you in
0: not so much i honestly have a very good handle on it and i'm super grateful for my approach at this i kind of had a few rules early on in life like uh whenever i was uh out on my own doing my craziest stuff no needle drugs okay so that was like my thing and i stuck to that and i'm grateful for that so that got me through a bunch of crazy shit like when my boundaries were very flexible i at least had that one uh and then another one would be this so yeah i'm right there with you man
1: Awesome. And there's a great lesson there because it's dependent on our discipline or the boundaries that we put up that can help us to uh, avoid going off into the deep end. And I think if people lose that, if they are quote unquote degenerating and just losing their sense of morality, uh, you know, that could easily happen. So in terms of gluttony, I mean, it doesn't sound too bad because it's just eating a lot, but that harms not only you, but it can harm the, the people around you too. And you ever been around someone or maybe uh you know you've been through this yourself i certainly have where i get lazy and i just want to eat all day and i don't really do much and i'm not a really nice person to be around when that happens but that's interesting to then go into the reverse of that like if you've ever tried like intermittent fasting i started to notice that when my stomach was empty i i thought about more things than just food i was able to think about so many other things and not worry about um Satisfying that hunger, or you know, satisfying the urge for flavor more than anything, and it's just really interesting to consider. Like when you go through these circles of hell, like the opposite of being overindulgent in the carnal is having a more mature approach to relationships and sexuality. The opposite to gluttony, like you brought up, is having these systems in in place, these uh, disciplines, these boundaries, or these uh, routines, and that's so crucial. And I'd love to dive into. You know, each of the hell, each of the rings of hell, like I just said, have their opposite. They, they have their lighter side, just like every zodiac sign has their shadow side, you could say. So I think it's something
0: interesting that we should um, look at as we as we go through. But 100 uh, percent turn your notifications off of everything. That's my best. That's that's where I started. Just turn your notifications off. For me, it wasn't about that I was on it too much. It was about that I checked it too much because it told me to. Uh, and this was fucking years ago, by the way. I haven't done this in years. But I just turned all the notifications off. It got to a point because, again, your energy goes where your attention flows. And so if something's demanding my attention all the time, it took me out of cool moments that I was in. I'm like, hang on. Why am I allowing this to do this? Why? You know, and that that was a wake up for me. And I was like, oh, well, I'll just turn all the notifications off. And eventually, you know, if you send me a message, I'll get back to you eventually. I'll check it every now and then. Uh, but it definitely does not demand my attention. And that's the first step. So I'm just going to offer that to everybody out there who's like, "How do I even start with something like that?" Turn your notifications off. Check it yeah, when you want to
1: check. solid advice. Absolutely. Yeah, because your time you can't you can't get it back, and that's a great way to make sure that it's used in the way that you want it to, and not the way that your phone wants it to. So that's there's a big there's a big difference there for sure. So I'm glad that you uh, brought that up. Now. There's a very interesting point in the fourth circle. We're, we're dealing with hoarders and wasters. So instead of gluttony where you're consuming and you're consuming, hoarding and wasting – could take many forms so uh you know one example is i know there are people hoarding toilet paper throughout the 2020 it's kind of a funny one to just think about that <laughs> someone out there has like a whole pallet of toilet paper just waiting for some shit storm but you know it's literally
0: like, i like the pun intended literally. very nice man. thank, you. Uh, thank yeah, you we're not gonna let that one slip by nice job jake i uh, appreciate yeah, it brandon you're absolutely right someone is sitting there just baby i told you this is gold and mm, yeah. yeah and uh you're absolutely right on this i think that's hilarious Here's the sad. thing though,
1: I totally respect preppers and I think they're, uh, they're intelligent for, for doing so, but is, is there a wrong way to? Prep, like, what do you think? Like, is how does someone become a hoarder versus a prepper? What's the difference?
0: Well, uh, useful and sustainable versus nonsense. So, toilet paper would be like one of those things. On a camping trip or something like that, there are many other options you have uh, than just specifically toilet paper. Um, Leaves, you've got uh, you know bidet type style stuff. If you're out in nature, you got water ball on hand and you can deal with it because it's nature. And we've you know uh, been conditioned to think things that we do naturally is disgusting. So uh, there's Kind of a more natural approach to this, and so any prepper will tell you, yeah, a little bit of toilet paper probably, but that's not going to be their first go to to start storing. You're talking uh, water first of all, food, and then ammo probably. That's kind of the order of operations with that. Toilet papers uh, gets the shit into the stick. I mean, you got many other options. That was like <laughs> one yeah, of the another things good one there. Yeah. Well, and that was a, one of the things a lot of people were laughing about with that whole thing was it's like, you can do so many other things. It's such an innocuous thing, but it had to do with attacking people's dignity. And I think that that's what, that's what it was really all about. It was people feeling scared that yeah. their dignity would be robbed from them.
1: That's a good point. Yeah. It's like the whole toilet paper thing was like a psyop in and of itself because it brought people down to like their, their base fears of disgust or of like not being clean. (laughs) never thought about that before. It's very interesting.
0: And it's got to do with, uh, you know, root chakra stuff too. I mean, if you really want to get down there with it, but yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, that's kind of where, you know, it's like almost as if the, uh, hell's the circles of hell are like in, inverted chakra system because you start with these uh root problems uh whether it's like a sense of well yeah you know we'll uh, get into that as we go through but yeah i've never thought about that f- before so it's uh cool you're giving me some cool ideas here so so brandon another thing that we should talk about is besides the hoarders and the wasters so you know hoarding is one thing wasting would just be like all right, you can you can throw things away willy-nilly and not really use them, and that's uh, you know material objects. Yes, that happens a lot. People waste a lot, but I think another part of it that should be considered is being wasteful in relationships. Yes. and I feel like at some point we've all probably uh, been taken for granted, or someone has taken us for granted, and that's that could send someone into a downward spiral into hell that's absolutely like when you feel like your time has been wasted or someone has wasted your time it's it's uh it's a very difficult sentiment to deal with and what happens next though it's interesting because there is the hoarders and the wasters on one end and they're arguing about material goods and you know oh you have too much of this or oh you're using too much of this and whatever they're arguing back and forth forever but the other side of this um, section in the fifth circle is the wrathful and the sullen, and this is interesting because earlier we were talking about Dante. He's not necessarily harsh or judgmental up until this point. Once he he reaches this point, he realizes like it's part of his experience, his learning experience is to be the the judge. It's almost like Virgil is allowing him to bring his shadow out because Dante, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure if anyone is out there, you know, walking around in public and just judging people and just be like, Oh, look at those people. I'm so much better than those people. It's like, that's not really a good feeling. You don't want to do that, but that's what Dante is kind of pushed to do. So he starts to scorn these individuals that are referred to as the wrathful and the sullen. And to summarize this really quick, the wrathful are anyone holding on to resentment. And that's a word that I hear uh, people like Jordan Peterson use a lot. It's like people who are so hung up on something that happened in the past that they are just hanging on to it and they're angry about it. And they just want to punish the people responsible and they can't let it go. And it's not necessarily violent, but it's just that attitude that like, oh my God, just let that go, man. And to think about the reverse, it's being able to let those things go and relax and breathe and be like all right maybe someone did you dirty back in the past but are you going to allow that to ruin the rest of your life or are you going to move on from it and that's an important question that people got to ask themselves
0: eventually yeah but the f- the grudge is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die it's the silliest thing in the world Get over it, guys. Right. Just thank them for the lessons and move forward. Like sit with it, acknowledge it. It sucked. It it played its part. Be grateful and move on. You know? Um, right. quit walking upstairs backwards, looking back. You know, uh, walk forward. Look where you're going. You gotta spend some folks spend a lot of time looking behind them. Just keep moving forward. Exactly. So there's great, great lessons there. You know, reading this uh
1: this epic poem, it was originally when I thought I was gonna dive into it and not enjoy it it was because i thought this was going to be like a depressing story but it went w- when i was getting into it i was like wow this is just a great opportunity to reflect on things that i've done in the past and you know how i've grown from from that point so uh to to build off of what you just said the other group in this area are the sullen so they're more of the depressed side they are not really um they they're still holding on in the same way that the wrathful do but they are shutting down because of that they're not angry and sometimes it's better to be angry it's good to have a little bit of fuel to get you to do something to get you to act but if you're so depleted and you have uh, you know you're just sullen just like kind of uh, becoming like a sloth, that's something you really want to avoid. And if anyone has gone through a stretch of of time where they're sitting all day, they get into that sedentary lifestyle. I know it's very easy to fall into that, that trap, especially if you're working in like an office type of setting, but that uh, has serious reverberations uh, out into the the future. Like, have you ever noticed um, when you move around, you can feel your energy moving around too. Like if you take a walk, if you're having an anxious thought building up in your chest, say, and you take a, a nice 10, five or 10 minute walk, you'll let that energy move out. It won't get stuck. And that's what happens to these souls in hell is they get stuck in this space. Whereas Dante is moving through it. He's flowing in and out of these circles. He's not stuck in one particular area. He's just visiting. And it's cool what what you're doing, Brandon, with this podcast is that you get to interview all sorts of cool people and that's what Dante's doing while he's traveling through hell. He doesn't just try to run through and get out of there. He's stopping to talk to these people, find out what happened to them. And I think there's an another good lesson there is that just because someone is making mistakes or living a life that is not something you would do doesn't mean you can't learn from them. And I think
0: it's a really good humbling experience. Perfectly put. Absolutely perfectly put. And I just kind of want to point out also to something that you said, that Dante is moving through it and he's not stuck. This is one of the things with the cyclical nature, the visual representation of what hell is here. It it seems like some people can get caught in this and you look at it like a cycle, right? Like it's a it's a swirl. It's just a whirlpool in the river of life that's off to the side that some folks can get stuck in. And maybe you stay there for a little bit, learn what you need to learn and move on. That's another good metaphor for what Dante doing here. He's seeing these different levels, how what they can teach him speaking to the people, just like you said, you got to get amongst them to find out what's going on and then not getting stuck in that cycle like they did in their life, which then translated to here. Uh, Then this physical representation of them getting stuck in it when they had the chance to get out of it in real life uh, and then moving through it that way, Dante, uh, instead of just being stuck there. And so we get some good insight with that on those cyclical type of conversations.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And just something that you reminded me of when you were talking about this, you know, the 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 fact that Dante talks to all these people and learns from them, reminds me a lot about what Jesus did. Like that story of Jesus talking to uh, you know prostitutes and lepers and kind of the 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 downcast section of society that other people didn't really want to talk to they would kind of disassociate from those types of people but uh you know christ as a as a symbolic character was someone who was intimately familiar with uh that lower side or that dark side of humanity that everyone else tried to ignore so i think there's a a very powerful uh lesson to be learned from dante's journey because no matter who you talk to no matter where you are and whoever you find yourself interacting with can always learn something if you just open yourself up and talk to them and that's what what virgil helps dante see too is that in times when dante gets scared like when there's uh you know there's certain creatures like eventually they run into medusa who is terrifying because you can't even look at her she'll turn you into stone so it's like you gotta completely hide yourself away you can't even interact with her directly and there are many times in a case like like that where virgil encourages dante to Speak, And there's a a very strong connection to language in this journey where if Virgil encounters demons that won't let them pass, Virgil will negotiate with them. He'll speak with them and use language to figure out how to solve this issue. And I think that reminds me of the importance of a mindset. It's like what what, what you said earlier, Brandon, was uh, where attention goes, energy flows. And if you're running that uh, negative thought cycle, it'll, uh, spiral and spiral and spiral. And all you got to do is inject one positive thought there. And, you know, that, that, uh, that, that cycle can break and then move in a different direction. And that's, uh, sometimes easier said than, than done, but I think it's a pretty nice reminder, you know?
0: You know, I had a, a young lady, Kiera Lifridge, on, and her she said two words that whatever things kind of go tits up, you know, uh, don't spiral. And that, I mean, same with metaphor, everything you're talking about here. But that those two words right there really keep you level from going ape or going spiraling out into these all these different scenarios that could maybe be possible, whatever. But really, it's 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 about taking your focus and your power back by just stepping back a little bit. Don't spiral couple of deep breaths go out and take a walk i love what you said about that i completely agree and even just breaking up the monotony of what you feel is misery do something completely different just take some time away from it even doing this gig like i love love my occupation this is the most incredible thing i've ever done in my life but I have to take breaks from this. You can't do this 100% of the time. Even though I spend like 16 something hours on something like this a day, I still break it up with going outside and taking the dogs out for walks or going down to the pond for a little bit, you know, and whatever. Uh, so it has to be broken up because, again, just like this, even too much of a good thing, uh, back to Glutton, uh, is not good, even something that you love because it will physically affect you. Like it affects the shows. If I edit for too long, you get what's called ear fatigue. This is just an audio engineer thing. You get ear fatigue and you'll think that you're helping things quite a bit, but you're really doing a lot of damage that you have to go back in and fix later on when all you had to do is just take five minutes and take a break and let your ears rest. But you could do this with your psyche, with your depression, with your anxiety, with any of that stuff. Just take five minutes away from it. Give yourself five minutes, you know, to take a break from what you feel. And just breathe, do something different.
1: It's an awesome reminder. I mean, I assume that some some people get tired of hearing about moderation, moderation, you know, take a break. But like the thing is, though, that's such a crucial lesson that if we overlook, you know, it doesn't matter what you're doing. Because like you said, you could be doing something good or something fun and still do too much of it. So I think it's uh, solid advice there to take a break or take a breath, if, 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 if anything, take a breath, you know, and uh,
0: yeah. I was I was somebody, and I still kind of consider myself this way. Not too much lately, but even moderation was in moderation for me. I would moderate moderation, and so it was a very efficient type of a thing. But it, it wasn't it wasn't good. It's like scheduling your sex. I mean, some people that that's important and all that, but it it took kind of the fun out of it for me. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, yeah. We need a little bit of fun, you know, every now and then. It's uh, it's not like we can totally uh, deny ourselves of, you know, what, uh, we would consider to be fun or pleasurable. And, you know, that's why, you know, it's, uh, it's uncomfortable for me to bring up like that earlier realm of the, uh, you know, like pornography or masturbation, like those kinds of things. I'm I'm not saying you should never have an orgasm again, but I'm saying like, if you pay attention to what happens to you, if you, uh, choose not to, you might notice something interesting about your own energy and you might think twice about having say a casual affair that might not be the best thing for you. If you overindulge in something good, even if you really think it's good for you or it's going to help you or it's going to be enjoyable uh, you know, try doing less of it and seeing what happens. I think it's a, you know, again, just like hearing moderation. It's like people don't really like hearing that, I guess, but I think for me personally, I know it's, uh, a pretty good reminder to have
0: a hundred percent you got to take a break from the stuff you love, and then it makes the when you come back to it even cooler, so yeah, absolutely,
1: yeah, and that's the cool part about you know like zooming out and looking at the the overall story here is that Dante has to go through hell to reach Beatrice again, so it's like there's a necessary separation and uh, you know, this 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 whole process is preparing him to become a better man so that when he does reunite with her, he'll be ready. He'll be uh, his absolute best self. And I think it's also important because, you know, we can go through every single circle and, you know, I could definitely give you a lot more of the symbolism like there's we talked about Medusa. There's also the Minotaur who comes up at one point. This is more in the lower area where there's violence, violence against neighbors and the Minotaur. You know, he's bullheaded, he's got a human torso. He's the epitome of that mix between the human and the animal, the human and the beast. And he's, uh, you know, it's hard to integrate those two forces. So the Minotaur is the guardian of this area where people are violent against their neighbors. And it's interesting to think about how Dante recognizes the Minotaur right away. It's like he's seeing in a trip almost his imagination of what this place would, would be like. And that's what I keep on jumping back to is that this psychedelic trip or this uh, dream state that he's in is a reflection of his own consciousness. So this is what hell looks like for Dante, but you know, everyone else can have their own personal uh, sort of cast of characters or archetypes, if you will. Which is kind of interesting. What What's hell look like for you? For me, excellent question. So for hell, I mean, I earlier brought up the whole like vaccine mandate thing and, it was hell for me because i stopped enjoying work and i think that i've met so many people and i've heard so many stories about you know the stereotypical uh, oh i was working this job that i hated i left i found something better and now i'm way happier the end and i uh, i was like all right i'm going to i'm going to avoid that i i actually love teaching teaching in a public school kind of sucks sometimes because there are a lot of there's just a lot of bullshit. I'll just put it like that. But the bit of joy that you can get out of it is very valuable to me. And the fact that this um, there was a barrier between my passion and my work. And once you take passion out of work, whether it's a podcast or you're teaching, or even if you're like some kind of artist and you're making something uh, you don't want to get distracted by uh, other political bullshit, you know, that, I never wanted that to interfere with what I was doing. And I guess I just, you know, I found out that I I wasn't strong enough to not pay attention to any of that. And um, so that was hell for me, but more than that, more importantly, I think, you know, that, that would be like an upper layer of, of hell, but the bottom layer for hell is knowing that I've hurt someone. And that's something I'm terrified of. So whether it's my students, you know, I don't want to be too mean or, I don't want to like make someone cry just because I'm abusing my power as an authority figure. That's something I want to avoid totally. And I think it's good to ask ourselves what hell looks like, because it also brings up the opposite of, you know, what does paradise look like? So, you know, since we're, we've are we been on here for almost an hour, I'd, I'd like to ask you, Brandon, what does paradise look like for you?
0: Uh, the ultimate freedom and non-judgment to just be your tr- most true authentic self. That's, that's honestly what it looks like for me and like super quick manifestation. Like you could just do whatever you want right away, you know, kind of a thing.
1: Yeah. It's like anytime you have an idea or that creative spark, that inspiration, naturally those obstacles will pop up, whether those are mental blocks, like, oh, you know, I'm not good enough to do this or, oh, this is going to go wrong. So I should just avoid it. Uh, But having that ability to just quickly manifest without allowing those obstacles to, possess your energy, which is something you brought up earlier. It's like, you could let these things control you or you could, you know, overpower them. You could, uh, integrate those, uh, demons and instead of them controlling you, instead of being the, uh, slave to the underworld, you could be, uh, you know, you could be the
0: opposite. You could be the master of those darker forces and, uh, control them rather than being controlled by them. That's right. That's what that shadow work integration is all about. Because yes, like you said earlier, completely agree. And uh, You don't want to abolish that damn thing. It's very important for you here. And it's like breaking a horse, you know, a wild horse or something like that. Uh, it takes a while and you can get hurt and it's very scary. But once you integrate that, the teamwork that you two can accomplish is unbelievable. You move much faster and you get a lot more cool shit done. So uh, integration of shadow work is something very important. So I'm grateful that you brought it up as well. That's a recurring thing that I really uh, am enjoying it, that more people are are pointing out along the way.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And it all goes back to that very first warning on the entrance to hell. It's like abandon all hope. You know, you're not going to be able to turn around and go backwards. You have to finish it through. So no matter what, let's say you're stuck in this rut like I was a couple months ago. You know, I was able to pull myself out. I was able to talk to my loved ones. If you have anyone to talk to, hit them up, be like, Hey, I'm going through shit right now. Let's talk about it. And you're going to feel better after that. I guarantee it. And the best thing is too, when you're reading Dante's Inferno is there is a very, very timely theme here. So, you know, Brandon, we're recording this uh, on Thursday. Tomorrow is good Friday. And I don't know if you were aware of this, but it's really cool. Dante goes through his journey and he begins on Good Friday and he reaches paradise on Easter Sunday.
0: How symbolic Mm -hmm. is that? Look at us. And we even rescheduled this. That's really cool. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I, dig it. I didn't I didn't right even there. think of the, yeah, absolutely. Every time, by the way, I'm constantly reminded that that is a thing. So it's just eh, divine timing. I get, you know, it's, it's that, uh, I'm, I'm to the nonchalance part of it, which is actually the best place to be with it. It's not to where I'm not grateful when it occurs. It's, it's always, it always blows my mind. It's always an awe type of a feeling, but it occurs so goddamn much that I'm just like, yeah. I mean, of course, like I just not even expect it. It's just, yeah, sky's blue, whatever. Uh, dope shit happens all the time. It, it's amazing. It's And that's that nonchalance place that um, Esther Hicks talks about whenever she says that's when you are in the vibration of your highest manifestation self is when you're nonchalant about the things that you want to manifest. You're not like, ah, about money or about a love or whatever. You're just All right, if I get it, cool. If not, whatever. Uh, But dope shit happens. Yeah, yeah, cool. All right. That's amazing. And so it begets more dope shit. It's really cool. I mean, that that spiral is one I definitely got on board with. I'm a big fan.
1: Brilliant. Yeah. I'm so happy you brought up Esther Hicks too. like Abraham, that the whole philosophy of the abundance mindset, you know, like these people, like, let's say the gluttons or the hoarders, like they're living in that poverty mindset. Cause they think, oh, if they don't have enough, then they're not going to be able to make it. And it's, it's, it, there's a possibility out there that we can all grasp that there's plenty and we can access it whenever we want. All we got to do is ask for it or reach out and take it. Uh, you know, respectfully don't, don't steal. That's not, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying like everything that you want is available to you if you're willing to look forward and move towards it. And that's the greatest lesson I can take away from Dante. Cause the fact is like, I love talking about Dante's Inferno, but I personally haven't read the other two books. So that would be purgatory and paradise. And I'm really looking forward to diving into that because yes, like you should understand sin. And that's the whole idea of this first book is becoming aware. It's the awakening process that begins this shadow work and this dark night of the soul. But you don't stay there forever. And that's kind of why Virgil's there too because Dante, there's a big difference between visiting hell and staying there. And that's what Virgil prevents Dante from staying there for too long. And so it's good that we orient ourselves upward as well and think about all right now that we have visited hell now that we've been there and we're familiar with what the, what's down there where are we going to go next and the only where the only place you can go is up and i think it's uh, a good opportunity to reflect just like i asked you you know like how would you imagine paradise well if you can live in freedom of uh, uh freedom of judgment or being able to be your true authentic self I'm trying to paraphrase what you said but it it was awesome you know it's like that's uh we should always try to imagine what we want life to be like. And there's a big difference between that and focusing on what we don't like and what we don't want. And that can, that can be distracting, you know?
0: Now, what's great about this is that's a heaven that I exist in now. I do live in not fear of what anybody else thinks about me, and I don't have judgment against myself, and I'm my most authentic self 100% of the time. And that is uh, the heaven that I've allowed myself to create here. That's, That's like the best thing I can imagine. Now, the coolest thing is, is anything on top of that's an absolute bonus. So I still kind of leave the universe open to surprise me. I'm still very a big fan of that. I don't want to have it all figured out. And uh, another thing to what you said, uh, the three books also are kind of mirror images of Dolores Cannon's idea of the 3D, the 4D, and the 5D, the fifth dimension or earth or whatever. You have the 3D where it's hell, um, uh, the inferno, uh, Purgatory where it's 4D, where you kind of figure everything out, but you don't know what to do with it. And you're just kind of like, uh, this kind of sucks, but it's kind of awesome too. Like, I'm, I, have more awareness, but I don't know what to do with it. So you are in that purgatory state and then paradise would be the fifth dimension where you, you've gone through all that shit. You're like, okay, cool. And then uh, you integrate and you just see uh, opportunities and possibilities everywhere rather than these horribles and, you know, hurtfuls and all that kind of stuff.
1: I love that. Once again, this is the coolest part about talking about books. This is why I became a teacher in the first place is the fact that, you know, when you're thinking about Dolores Canon. so in the 3D and yeah, hell, you're becoming aware, you're learning what error and sin looks like. And then purgatory, that 4D section, that second part is you're climbing a mountain of purgatory and you're actively letting go of these things that weighed you down and sent you down into that hell realm. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's like you're learning to integrate the shadow, renouncing the things that you need to renounce or overcoming the obstacles that you need to overcome as you... Climb up this mountain, and then the destination, of course, is that fifth dimension, that paradise where you can now enjoy what you've worked so hard to achieve. And I think this happens periodically and in a cyclical fashion. You know, we're not going to stay in paradise forever either. You can't stay in any particular zone. You know, we're going to be thrown about in all different directions, and it's up to us to remain um, oriented towards paradise, even if we're all the way down in hell. You know, we're going to start over once you reach paradise and you're going to have to climb back up. And it's important to remember that you'll never have to climb back up alone. There's always going to be that inner guide, that inner voice leading you through that
0: darkness. I love it. The virtual element of this is something that uh, that takeaway is very cool, because yes, you think about this. Uh, you are never alone, which is great. Uh, even when you want your privacy, that's fine. But you're never like alone, alone. You might be alone, but you're not lonely. You know what I mean? So I, I like the, uh, the correlation there. Another thing I was thinking about to this as well is Dante had to take his trip the way that he took it, because that's the way he needed to understand the lessons and then to be uh, you know with beatrice and everything but he had the opportunity to learn all of this stuff in florence but he got booted out of there because he fucked it up so much so what's interesting is is this place will kind of present lessons to you and you can integrate into a system here but if you Go against that system to a point to where, like you said, he was too cool for it, you know, and nobody wanted him around. Nobody wanted to put up with his bullshit. But really, I was just he was his own deal. Uh, Now, what's interesting to this also is another correlation to this would be kind of like a scared straight, you know, I mean, maybe scared straight got their idea for their show uh, off of the inferno. Cause you take them into a horrible situation to interact with people who fucked up. You don't have to stay there, but you could end up there if you don't change your ways. So this is like the, the scared straight model where they take those poor kids in and, you know, right. Right. Uh, another one would, another correlation be, um, idiocracy. That's another, mm-hmm. uh, metaphor. Awesome for this. movie. Yeah. And it's, it parallels this idea, uh, pretty closely.
1: It's interesting. Yeah. yeah speaking of the pop culture references, there's, there's one that, uh, it doesn't directly relate to Dante's Inferno, but it has that same theme that you are just speaking of. It's, you know, this comes up in multiple sources, but there's a life review. So like, let's say someone has a near-death experience and then they're taken by this like Virgil figure or the Grim Reaper. So let's look at your highlight reel of of your life. Where have you been? Who have you interacted with? And what have, what have you done? And that's the most important question is, what have you done? And then they go through this whole life review it's over at the end and they have a chance to go back and make a better choice. It's kind of like groundhog day. And that always makes me think back to it's, you know, it's not his idea, but it's something that Jordan Peterson would talk about a lot. I don't know if you can tell, but he influenced me a lot back in like 2018. Yeah. For the better too. Uh, He would talk about hell is not a place that you go, but it's a place that you create. And I think it's definitely uh, circles back to everything we've been discussing today is the fact that, if you want to create paradise, then you can, but you're also capable of creating hell. And the connection I can make to my, my current classroom is that we're learning about the Holocaust. So whether it's Viktor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning, or Elie Wiesel in Night, it's the fact that if you allow nihilism to take over, then you're not going to survive. And if you want to survive, you have to find a way to create meaning, no matter what's happening to you. You could be going through the worst shit ever. But if you can find a way to make life meaningful, find something to look forward to or find a reason to survive at the very least, then you'll reach paradise eventually if you just hang on. And that's sometimes the message people need because life can weigh down on you pretty heavily. But this story really opened my eyes to the, the fact that, you know, we, we've all been down there. We, we've all spent time down there, but no one stays there forever. And that's the most important thing. This too shall pass.
0: Dude, you're you're a sweetheart and a badass. Now I am, I get why uh, everybody loves you because I'm on I'm on the Jake train too. So Jake Loco, uh, all the ways to find you will be located down in the show notes. I can't thank you enough. You we're definitely gonna have you back in because we didn't even touch the inner Earth thing. Me and you are gonna talk about this in inner Earth. Uh, thank you so much for your time, dude. We'll definitely have you back, brother. You killed it. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Brandon. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm looking forward to speaking some more. We've only barely scratched the uh, surface, but we'll we'll uh, spend more more time talking about paradise next time. I'm going to study up. But uh, thank you again for having me on. You guys can find me at Loco Listens on Instagram, and if you type in on Spotify, Google, Apple Podcasts, Loco Listens podcast. I got four episodes up. Should have a fifth out sometime tomorrow, and. I'm looking forward to having many conversations. The whole idea is that if you have some kind of truth that you want to talk about, then I will listen to you. Loco will listen. And so thank you for indulging me tonight, Brandon, and I appreciate the reflective discussion we've we've been able to have here. And um I'm looking forward to doing some
0: more of this. This is gonna be great discussions are a direct reflection of the guest so great job my friend thank you so much for this man all the ways of course to find you have a great link tree so i'm going to throw all that down in the show notes guys check the show notes for sure check jake out uh, follow him around he's kicking ass it's just you're crushing it man again uh, keep moving forward dude we look forward to talking to you again soon
1: love it expanding
0: reality is great man great to be here cheers I want to send a huge shout out to jake for coming by and hanging out one of the coolest dudes ever and we have so much more to talk about so he will be back make sure that you guys check out the show notes located down there and uh find all the ways to connect with jake he is awesome definitely check out his amazing show loco listens podcast and uh thank you again jake just such a badass man i appreciate you so uh, check out our resource links, of course, guys, Food Forest Abundance. Get that freedom from fear on Libson if you'd like to start your own podcast. Highly encourage everybody that has the calling, go ahead and pull the trigger on that. Uh, Amazon, if you are going to feed that beast at all, run it through our link. It helps the show. Also down there is Opus, the Organization for Paranormal Understanding and Support. Make sure that you check them out as well. A phenomenal resource. And lastly, down there, guys, expandingrealitypodcast.com. That is a way to expand your experience on all kinds of cool stuff that we do here. Uh, Lives are replayed there. Too hot for YouTube. Check out all the collaborations. Uh, Become an expansive insider. That's a wonderful way to support the show. Also, merchandise and all that good stuff, guys. So it's kind of a one-stop shop for everything. Uh, So go out into this incredible place, guys. And you know what I'm going to say. Pick up a piece of litter. Be nice to everybody that you come across. Open some doors. Uh, Something small like buying a coffee or a meal or something like that for somebody in line around you goes a long, long way. And it's just an awesome way to raise the vibe for you personally and the entire collective. The ripple effects from that are truly, truly remarkable. So uh, also, while you guys are out there doing the damn thing, get out of the left-hand lane. It's such a pain in the ass. You got somebody behind you wanting to pass there. And of course, y'all know what I'm going to say. Go out into this beautiful place, whatever the hell it is, and y'all just be good to one another. Thank you so much for listening and watching, and we will see you next time.